If you'll turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 27, I'm still stuck in the book of Proverbs and also stuck in the 27th chapter. I want to look to verse 11 and 12 of Proverbs 27. We want to talk about hide and seek, hide and seek, hiding from the evil and seeking the Lord. One of the commentators that I read said this, that prevision is the best form of prevention, which I think is interesting. It's also said another way, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure or look before you leap. Those are very common phrases that are derived from this verse or these verses in Proverbs 27. Let's read in verse 11 and 12. My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him that reproacheth me. A prudent man, woman or child, foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. It's worth noting that this is a, an exact verse like Proverbs 22 and 3. And I've always said, you know, if one thing is said in the Word of God, if it's said one time, it's important. But here we have an exact verse repeated from Proverbs 22 and 3. And you can see that this, in general, is a parenting verse where a parent is talking to their child about making their heart glad, about bringing joy. And if you're a parent, nothing brings you more joy than when someone says, your son, your daughter, you know, did this, did that. So nice of them to do that. That brings great joy and makes the heart glad of a parent. And nothing makes a, a parent any sadder than to hear, well, you know, this child, they did this or they did that. I mean, it can be good, it can be bad. But this is a parenting verse primarily, but it's also a pastor to a congregation verse. It's a pastor to a congregation verse. So as we consider some definitions here, I want you to think about the hide and seek that's going on here. The word glad there where it's Proverbs 27, 11, it says, my son, make my heart glad. It means to brighten up. It's that word I've given you many times. So mock from the Hebrew, which makes your face even brighten up when you say it. In the next verse, 12, a prudent man. The word prudent means cunning or subtle or to take crafty counsel. A prudent man foreseeth to perceive, to stare at, to think, and also to view visions. It says he foreseeth the evil and he hideth himself to be absent or conceal. But the simple, the word simple means silly or seducible. Someone who is seducible. They pass on and are punished. Those words go together because pass on means to pay the toll. Like you come to a toll bridge and you just say, well, you know, I'll just pay the toll and go on. And then the word punished means to levy a fine or to lay a fine upon someone. So it literally is like a toll road where you pay the toll and you go on. And even as you go on, there's, there's more fines to be levied. So the word wise there where the parent says or the preacher to the congregation says, be wise, it occurs multiple times in the scripture. Notably, in a bad sense, it occurs in the book of Genesis, the third chapter, where it says that the serpent was more subtle. That's the same word for wise, to be subtle. Now, it can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. In that circumstance, it's a bad thing. The serpent was subtle and deceived Eve. And then, of course, you know, Adam sinned whenever he took the fruit and ate it. But we want to primarily stick to the book of Proverbs as we consider being wise and this hide-and-seek game of life, if you will. And I cannot express to you how 
this burdens my heart in thinking about how things are now, the challenges you face, the temptations that are out there, whatever your age may be. It's important to equip yourself to know what to conceal yourself or hide from so you'll miss the destruction that comes inevitably, you see? Now, this is one of those verses about being prudent, which means to be wise, to be crafty in terms of how you are going forward with your life. And it ties directly into providence. You know, prudence is connected to providence because if you're prudent and you go along following the Lord and taking his principles and saying, you know, this applies to me. I'm not the exception. You know, bad things could happen to me if I'm not employing and following prudently what the word of God teaches. And then guess what? God's providence mixes with that. You know, being prudent is just a demonstration in a sense of God's providence. But then many times God is very providential in his dealings with his children just because they're being prudent. Okay. Now, this prudence does not mean arrogant. It means one who, you can't be prudent and be arrogant. You can, you can only be prudent if you're humble and you say, I'm not going to figure out my way. I'm going to let the Lord do that. So look at Proverbs 12. And this is the same word prudent here. Proverbs 12 and verse 16, just a few pages back over. It says, a fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. You know, I thought that went with what we talked about last week about envy and wrath and anger. You know, a fool cannot control his wrath, but a prudent man, a wise man, covers the shame of that wrath. I think that's interesting too, and he speaks of the wrath being something that's shameful. So a fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth. And the, co- the word cover ties in to hide. You get that? So a way that you can be prudent and, and hide from the evil. In this circumstance, this person is hiding from themselves. <laughs> They're concealing how wrathful and angry they are because it's not appropriate to let that foolishness out. You see? So instead of yelling at that person, you know, if the person just has to yell, maybe they just go yell at a tree or out in the woods where nobody hears them. (laughs) You see, hiding from the evil. I've read and heard in history, reading about history, that General Robert E. Lee from the Civil War, he said of himself that he had a terrible temper. (laughs) You know, and and if you read the books about him and you read about that great general, you'll see that he always just seemed very under control. But it's because he he concealed that. He recognized that he had a tendency to be very wrathful and angry. And you think about, he's one of the most even-killed historical figures that, that I read about. You say, how could that be? Because he was prudent, you see, to conceal his foolishness, his wrath. You turn over to Proverbs 12 and 23, same chapter. A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. Y'all know me. There is no such thing as a comfortable silence with me. You know, if it's on the phone, I've talked to people on the phone and years gone by, and sometimes they just sit there on the other end. That that just kills me. I just, I can't stand it. I got to be saying something. I just, it just makes me feel awkward. Now, some people are comfortable with a silence. That's fine. And there are places for silence, you know, especially in, as a pastor, you know, when people have lost loved ones, you know, they don't, sometimes they don't need just a bunch of talking from their, from their pastor. They just need you to be there, you know? So, but <laughs> me talking for a living in all aspects of my life, pray for my wife, you know, I talk for a living and everything that I do in my calling and in my secular work, it's just really difficult 
for me to be quiet and to, you know, when I'm talking with people to have a silence there. I feel like something needs to be said. Some of you are that way too. <laughs> but you understand, you got to be careful about that because I have found myself, especially in my legal work from time to time, saying too much, <laughs> you know, letting the cat out of the bag, let, you know, letting some of the strategy that I've got going on. I might give a little tip off to that. I've got to be careful about that because if it's somebody wicked on the other side, if it's somebody against me, maybe not necessarily wicked, but just against me in a case or, or looking to destroy, they're listening to what you're saying. They are listening. A, a prudent person conceals or covers knowledge, especially in the presence of an enemy. You remember the devil is always looking for your weakness. He watches me. You see, he watches what my weaknesses are. It could be anything. He travels about. He's not everywhere present and nowhere absent like God is everywhere present and nowhere absent. But he gets around and he sees, just like he went to the borders of Job. You remember? And he looked across the border. He couldn't get into Job's house because Job had, he had a hedge of protection around him for sure. But he couldn't get in. The people that Job was associated with and the people that worked for him and his family and such, Satan couldn't get in. But think about how many times have we been sitting there maybe watching some show we shouldn't watch? Who knows that Satan may be creeping in and looking out, seeing what you're watching. I don't know how digital airwaves work, but I know Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and I think he's the prince of the power of the airwaves many times, the digital waves. He knows what's going out, and maybe he knows when it's coming to your house and what you're watching. <laughs> it's weird nowadays, you know, you can be on your phone, those of you that that have phones, which is, I guess, pretty much everybody. But, you know, you can be looking at something and the next, you know, you might be shopping or talking about something. And the next thing you know, an ad for that pops up on your phone. I was at the chiropractor one day and the chiropractor was talking to me about mattresses. And I mean, my phone's laying there. I'm not on my phone. You know, it's back when I was trying to get comfortable with my back hurting. And he said, well, this mattress, that mattress, you know, sleep something or other, sleep number one or something like that. I don't know. And I was like, yeah, well, that's interesting. I'll go check that out. Well, when I was laying there getting stretched out on the torture rack and getting my back stretched out, I look at my phone and on the YouTube site pops up an ad for that mattress. And I'm thinking, who's watching me? <laughs> you know, could it be that, I know that's kind of funny, but could it be that Satan himself, the tempter himself, is watching what we are tempted by? I was tempted to buy that mattress, which I needed one, but I didn't get that brand. But, you know, who knows how those things work? I don't know how, all they, how that works. But I know that Satan is constantly watching us to see what our weaknesses are. Proverbs 23 and verse 1 talks about keeping your tongue when you're in the presence of enemies. Proverbs 23 and 1, he says, When thou sittest to eat with a ruler... Consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. What he's saying there is, if this is a person who really likes to eat. That's the example that's given here. And you're sitting in front of the ruler, the politician, the government official, and this ruler here that he's describing is looking for the weaknesses so he can find a way to get what he wants out of that person. And he says, if you're a person given an appetite, you know, just hold back. Don't show that weakness if you overindulge because it will be exploited. The devil is the great exploiter, you see. 
So once, you, once the devil sees your weakness or once your weakness is displayed, then they think they've got you. You see? Isn't that interesting? The prudent man conceals or hides knowledge. Look at Proverbs 13 and verse 16. I told you we're going to look at several of the Proverbs. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. You see the contrast that's given, the prudent man versus the foolish man? Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge. To deal with knowledge means to have charge of or to exercise or to govern. And here knowledge means cunning. <laughs> you, know, you use what you know, right? Whenever I go into court over some type of Motion. I hate, I hate arguing motions. I hate preparing motions and responses because I always feel like I'm missing something. I'm afraid I'm going to miss some little nugget and all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, I look like a complete fool. <laughs> you know, I don't want that. So I dig extra hard. I dig really hard and try to figure this out so I won't look like I don't know about this item or that item or this point or that point. I want to know everything about it. So I'm dealing with knowledge. Do you deal with knowledge? Do you know what your weaknesses are? Have you examined yourself? Have you figured out, like the person in Proverbs 23, if they're a person, if they're an individual given to an appetite, you've got to be careful with that because the enemy's looking for your weakness. It doesn't mean he can't eat and can't enjoy food. That's not what he's saying there. He's just saying be aware of your surroundings. Use what you know. Years and years ago, Sister Tracy and I had a car that messed up and we had, had to go in the shop and we were driving back and forth to Nashville a lot in those days. And we were about two o'clock in the morning. Thank God it was just she and just the two of us. It wasn't, no babies were involved at that point. But we're driving back to Nashville about two o'clock in the morning in a rental car and she is sound asleep and we're just trying to get back. And, you know, I'm used to the car I'm driving. I go with what I know. I check the gauges and so forth. But for whatever reason, I just didn't look at the gas gauge in this funny little Corsica or something, whatever the car was. It was weird. It, nothing was normal. I didn't, I didn't know it. You understand? But it's still no excuse. I mean, the gas gauge is pretty obvious. But we're going along about 2 o'clock in the morning, and there's only one gas station at those days that, that was open between Huntsville and Nashville, or at least the area where things kind of opened up in Franklin. And I'm driving along, you know, just having a good time, trying to stay awake, drink some coffee, and she's asleep, and it boop, 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 and there goes the car. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you know, Lord help me. <laughs> and we just happened to be at the only exit that had an open gas station at 2 a.m. in the morning. And I kid you not, as Sister Tracy roused up from sleep and saw what a fool I was, <laughs> you know, we coasted with the car dead into the gas station. And I just kind of stopped and went, Whew. <laughs> Lord, you suffered this fool again. I mean, we all get in situations like that. I should have checked the gasket. I didn't deal with knowledge. You see, Proverbs, the 14th chapter. There's several things about prudence in Proverbs 14. I want you to look at this, a couple of these very quickly because we don't have much time left. Proverbs 14 and 8. Look at verse 8 of Proverbs 14. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. But the folly of fools is deceit. Listen to me carefully. With the wisdom of the prudent, it means he is aware of his abilities and what he is capable of. But the folly of a fool is to deceive himself. Okay, here's a great example. You remember David when he went out to face Goliath? As soon as he said he would go and fight the giant in the name of the Lord, what did they do? They gave him things that he was not familiar with. Armor, shield, sword, all this different stuff. And you always see the cartoons 
uh, of this. Sometimes show him, you know, with a big helmet on his head. It's kind of jostling around and this huge sword. And, and David, the wisdom of prudent David was to understand his way. He did not have skill in those things. You get that? His aptitude was not towards those things. So what did he do? He said, I can't, I can't fight the, the giant with this. He went with what he knew that he was skillful in, which was the sling and the stone, which he'd been sitting out there practicing, practicing, practicing hours upon end. You know, he wasn't checking his phone and then practicing because they didn't have phones. He was writing Psalms and he was practicing with that sling getting better and better and better and better until he could probably pop a fly off of a log or something. So he, does, he understands his way. He doesn't deceive himself into thinking that he can go out there and win and beat Goliath with the things that Goliath was using or the armor that he was not familiar with. So child of God, understand your way. Understand what you're capable of. Understand what your propensities are. Understand what you're tempted by and understand what you're good at, you see? And do hide yourself from the evil of what you're tempted by and seek the things that you are good at. You get that? <laughs> I've told y'all this before. That's why I majored in English in college because I love to read and I love to write. Some of you majored in math. Some of you majored in accounting, other things. That's what I was, I thought, I don't really know what I'm going to do with my life, but I like this. And I, I, I thought I was good at it. <laughs> And so I went in that direction. That was my aptitude. Because if I'd have tried to go in the math direction, I would have flunked out. As a matter of fact, the one math class I had in college, I almost flunked out of it. If I hadn't been there with a bunch of other dumb football players and the teacher scaled it from like probably 80 points, you know, I probably would have flunked out of that. I include myself in that dumb now. Okay, so dumb football players. I'm not throwing off on them. They were my teammates. I can call them dumb if I want to, okay? So... The prudent man, is to, he understands his way. He doesn't deceive himself and think, well, I'll be good at this when he really won't. Now, as we close here this morning, I want you to think about this, okay? And this is probably more important than what I've said, but I want you to listen very carefully. Wouldn't it be great if we had a crystal ball to be able to tell the future? Well, let me tell you this. We don't need a crystal ball. We've got the Word of God. And the Word of God deals with probabilities and propensities, okay? You don't have to have God tell you the exact future to know things that are going to happen. That's what you've got the Word of God for. Now look, it would be nice if we were like Noah and God said, a flood is coming, get busy working. And what did he do? He got busy working. It would be nice if we were like Joseph in the days uh, when he was in Egypt and God said, there's a famine coming. And what did they do? They got busy storing up. It would also be nice to have been like the Egyptians in at least one of those plagues that came upon Egypt whenever the Lord brought them out in the days of Moses. Whenever the, the Lord said, the hail is coming, and it, you better, the Israelites took their cattle inside their homes and they protected them from the grievous hail that was coming from the sky. It says some of the Egyptians did that. The Egyptians that brought their animals inside, those animals did not die. But the Egyptians that didn't listen, you know, it's crazy to think about the Egyptians. Some a couple times they actually hearkened to what the plagues were. See, and then you think about a guy like Lot, who two angels. Would it take two angels coming to your door, knocking on your door, and say, "Hey, this place is fixing to burn down. You need to get out of here." And even then, Lot didn't listen. They had to grab him literally by the nape of the neck and take him out. So you see. The Lord doesn't have to speak audibly to us and say, this is what's coming, okay? 
As a matter of fact, he's already done that in a sense because when he left and went, he was resurrected from the grave and went back to heaven, he said, he told you the future. He said, I'm coming back. <laughs> and the time for his return could be at any moment. You don't have to worry or be scared about it or think, am I going to miss it? You will not miss his return. All children of God will be taken to, with Him to heaven to be with Him forever. If, if somebody tells you, oh, did you hear about the return of the Lord? You missed it. It's not the return of the Lord. <laughs> or there was a secret rapture and you didn't make it. That, that's not even in the Bible. The Lord's going to take His people. That's the next greatest event. The Lord has told us the future. It's just the in-between <laughs> that we're waiting and serving until that time comes. Now, the Lord deals with probabilities. And if you get in the book of Proverbs and it tells you this particular characteristic of this type of person is going to lead to whatever. You know, you hang out with certain type of people that are described in the Scripture, it's going to lead to destruction. So hide yourself from that. You see? And then you say, well, here's God's people, maybe in church, maybe in fellowship, uh, maybe hanging out with each other. Here's God's people. You should seek that, not hide from that. You see, because that's safe places. You say, oh, well, we have little differences here and there. Doesn't everybody? <laughs> I mean, my home has differences from time to time. I know yours does too. Don't kid yourself. Everybody has little differences. But when you look at the probabilities and the propensities, you want to hide yourself from those that demonstrate wicked characteristics, if you are willing, if you're brave and courageous enough and willing to examine your own life, whatever age you may be right now, first you've got to look at yourself. You can't start pointing a finger at other people. You've got to look at yourself first and see your propensities and see your temptations. You've got to see your strengths and weaknesses first. And then if you will look at yourself first and say, what am I really given to, you know, is it, God forbid, is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it, you know, is it partying? Is it, you know, is it pornography? Is it, I mean, just the list just goes on. Is it watching too much TV? Is it too much shopping? Is it too much hunting? I mean, think about that. What am I given to? If you'll examine yourself and then examine the ones that you're associated with, you'll either wind up with a frown on your face going, hmm, ooh, this is tough right here. This individual, ugh. You know, I, I'm given to this temptation and they're given to this temptation. This is not going to be good. Might be boyfriend, might be girlfriend, might be fiance, whatever. But if you'll look at that and examine it and you'll say, I need to hide myself from this. And then if you'll look at that and think of the ones that are trying to serve God, you'll have a smile on your face. It'll brighten you up, as the proverb said. And you'll think, I need to spend more time with this person. I need to hang out with this group of people because they're not leading me to destruction. Now, here's the final thing I'm going to say. You say, well, I, I'm having a hard time, Brother Tim, figuring out, you know, hide or seek, hide or seek. Here's the ultimate way to know to, whether to hide from this individual, this group, or seek this individual, this group. You know, it could be boyfriend, girlfriend. It could be hangout group. It could be friends. It could be fellowships, whatever schoolmates, the list goes on. Here is the ultimate way to figure that out. What are they asking me to do? What are they trying to get from me? I stand before you today and I testify. I don't want anything from you. I don't want your money. I don't want 
your property. I don't want your car, although some of you do have some nice cars, but I don't want it. (laughs) I don't want anything from you. I'm not trying to get you to do something for me. I am trying to call upon you to believe in something that is beyond me, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you think about the people that you hang out with and that you're social with. Are they always trying to get something from you? Young sisters, you need to be thinking about that. Are they trying to get you away and get you alone and pull you away from what's safe in your life? If you look carefully enough and you're courageous and brave enough, you can see those that are trying to manipulate you, maybe subtly, to get something from you, to pull you away from what is safe and godly. And then you'll see those that they're not asking anything from you. (laughs) You know, a lot of times I'll come and visit with different ones of of us and I I don't want anything. I just want to see their face. You know, especially when somebody's been sick. I just want to see their face. I've told people that many times. I'm just so glad to see you. That's all I want. Yeah, I want to see you at church on Sunday. Praise God. I want to see you. I, if I'm in the, in the line or in the aisle at Walmart and I see you, I'm not going to hide from you. I'm going to come running up to you, probably embarrass you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I want to see you. That's all I want. Amen. See? You want to put it on the cutting room floor to know the difference. What are they trying to get out of you? See? God's people should only be trying to get fellowship. <laughs> you see that? The proverb says... My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him that reproacheth me. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. Let's know when to seek and when to hide.